Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. To those guests who've just joined us, welcome. Our next stop is the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, we are approaching our station at the entrance to Main Street, USA, gateway to the seven theme lands of the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is Justin Monorail, and we've got a full house today joining us once again. She's back. She hasn't disappeared. The legend. McKenna. McKenna's here. Yay, McKenna. McKenna. (laughs) And along with McKenna is... Garrett. Garrett and... Sam. Sam. We're all here. Monorail family. It hasn't happened in a very long time, but today is a special day, I guess. Yeah. Happy Monday. It is October the 22nd, and this is episode number 27 of the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. We've got a bunch of news for you to digest today, a bunch of things to feed you. We're going to spoon feed you some Walt Disney World news. Telling people to digest. Well, you know, they well, I get consume it. it with their ears. You consume it with your brain. You digest it with your brain. Yeah, digest it with your brain and then consume something it with your ears. Crap comes out your mouth eventually. <laughs> <laughs> or at least that's how it works for us. Okay, so let's just jump right into it. So this week, Disney announced officially the plans for the resort that are going to that they're building on the former site of the River Country Water Park. So we don't know the name of it yet, but we do know that it's going to be nature-inspired and a mixed-use Disney resort. So I thought it was just going to be only DVC, but it's not actually. It's going to be a deluxe resort that has 900 rooms and vacation club villas. So we will find out what it will be called sometime in the near future, but here's what we learned from Terry Schultz, Senior Vice President and General Manager of the DVC, and this is just about the DVC. The res- this resort experience will be a celebration of Walt Disney's lifelong love and respect for nature with some fun and even surprising accommodation types that family will find irresistible. It will give our members and guests yet another opportunity to stay in close proximity to all the newest attractions and experiences in our par- theme parks and with the flexible value and world-class service families expect from Disney. So actually, I guess that's an overall comment about the resort. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think I assumed it was just going to be more Wilderness Lodge. Is it far? You remember when, when we went to Wilderness Lodge and we walked over to the um, Geyser Point, the little bar yeah. that we went to? Yeah. Just past that okay. is where they fenced off where River Country used to be. Okay. So it's right beside Wilderness Lodge, really. Which is why I kind of assumed that when they built it, I didn't think it was going to be something that was just its own thing. But apparently it will be. Right. So. Okay. I mean, it's a lot of room. It's a lot of land they weren't using. So, And they need the rooms. Yep. It'll be pretty cool. You know, Garrett liked the aesthetic of the Wilderness Lodge. This place looks like it's going to be, it's not necessarily going to be like a lodge in the Pacific Northwest. But it is going to be, it kind of looks like it's going to be a National Park inspired place. Ooh. So that sounds really cool. But with modern touches, it's going to be a little more modern than what you see from Wilderness Lodge. I that'll be exciting. Yeah, yeah. it'll be nice. <laughs> this isn't the only resort that is being constructed in the next few years at Walt Disney World. They're actually adding around a little more than 1700 new hotel rooms over the next 4 years, and this is just one of those products projects. The other pieces are of course at Disney's Coronado Springs, they're adding this 15-story tower. Okay. It's going to kind of be the resort centerpiece. The cool thing about that is there's going to be rooftop dining. Oh, I was going to say, can you go up? Yeah, on top of that um, tower. So that'll be pretty neat. Cool. And that's already a really big resort. Remember, if you remember when we were talking about the moderates, we talked about Coronado Springs. You all wanted to call it Colorado Springs. Colorado. Sounds like a cool place. But um, (laughs) the other thing that's being constructed right now is Disney's Riviera Resort, which will be all vacation club. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it'll be the 15th Vacation Club property with 300 units. It'll connect to Hollywood Studios and the International Gateway at Epcot via the Skyliner because the Skyliner will actually stop there. Okay. So another Skyliner hotel. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. It'll be on the Skyliner circuit. And then the other one that's being built, of course, is the Star Wars Hotel. 
Yeah. I want to stay there. But first we'll of its kind. Completely to. immersive experience into the authentic Star Wars story. It sounds like a crazy person's dream, and I am a crazy person. Or a big so. nerd's dream, and I'm a big nerd. So Yeah. I think you're both crazy on person, there. big nerd. Yeah, we we fit crazy there. nerd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty excited. I think that there's going to be a lot of new options, and I and basically what it boils down to is that we're going to have to plan a lot more Disney trips so that we can stay at all these places. A million yeah. Disney trips. <laughs> we're just going to end up being DVC. Let's face it. How about mm-hmm. we take Walt's dream and we go live in Epcot? Yeah, we could. Um, we volunteer to live. I'm going to live in Spaceship Earth. I call dibs. Your mom and I were having a conversation earlier that was actually inspired by a text I had with uh, Landon the Dawzdone earlier. Uh, was it about the Epcot Mall? No, he said. <laughs> he said if I had won the Mega Millions jackpot, that I could have just purchased a suite at Cinderella's Castle and lived there forever. <gasps> and I was like, that sounds like a great idea, but then think about the fact that you'd have to deal with those fireworks every single night. Like eventually, the novelty of that would wear off. And Cinderella's castle. The room in it is small. It's a small room. Well, I guess for a billion dollars, they could build me a suite in there. Or they could build you a suite in the Epcot Mall. Well, right. So then... The, you can so live above Steve Jobs. So the, <laughs> so the conversation evolved into... It would be kind of fun to talk about if, for some reason, winning the Mega Millions meant you could go to Disney and say, hey, I'd like to just purchase this and live here. Haunted Mansion. What would you do? No. And I, I figured the Haunted Mansion would be what McKenna wanted to do. I said I would just buy the top floor of the Contemporary. That'd be fine with me. You could buy Walt's room. You could, like in Magic Kingdom, his, yeah. the, his little suite. You could do that, probably. But then your mom's response was, I don't think I really want to live in Disney World. <laughs> I would. I would. Would you have to be home by the time the park closes? Because there's no, no this entry. is In this hypothetical situation, you have access there just like no you would rules. to your house. Because what if I need to run out for chips? <laughs> I mean, you'd have access anytime you needed. Where would you live, Garrett? I don't know. Probably also <gasps> contemporary. Live on the Jungle Cruise. Oh, the jungle. No. <laughs> Build a little shack over by Trader <laughs> Sam's. Yeah. <laughs> You could come out and yell at people like, what are you doing? Here's the other thing I thought. I would just tell them to build me my very own waterfront villa in the Polynesian. Like they've, they've got those DVC villas that are ridiculous expensive to stay in for one night. I would just have them build me one of those on the water. But wouldn't nice. they make more money just continually renting it out? They'd probably be like, it's not the value. If I came to them and said, listen, I've got a billion dollars. <laughs> make it happen. They'd be like, I, okay. I wouldn't spend a billion dollars on this. Well, I wouldn't either, but this is a hypothetical. I keep having to explain to you this is a hypothetical. I understand what hypothetical means, but hypothetically, I I wouldn't. I could live on the new Ratatouille ride. You could. You could live in France. I could live. (laughs) You could have a little. You could live. (laughs) I finally feel alive. A little flat in the the France pavilion. (laughs) And people come out and I smoke at them. (laughs) Smoke at them. (laughs) I'm, it's, I'm French. Oh, right. If I'm living in the French pavilion, oh, be like, you stupid American. <laughs> but I'd say it in like a country accent. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna I, get, I love the idea. I could talk about that forever. I know. We, we, our Ratatouille conversation has been lacking since you've been gone. I know. So. It's yeah. so sad. He we were like, who's Remy there at? I g- excuse me. <laughs> M- excuse me. <laughs> Listen, I'm McKenna. You don't want to be able to disrespect me. And they got to excuse themselves. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I think McDonald's got a trademark no. on Mick in front of everything. M- excuse yeah. me. It's just free publicity now. Yeah. Okay, so... We talked about the Riviera Resort being connected to the Skyliner, and I wanted to seamlessly segue that into the fact that Disney just put out a brand new promotional video video for the Skyliner. Mm. Doesn't really tell us a lot more than we already knew. It just tells us basically that there's five stations, there's three different lines. One thing that I learned, though, um, because this was posted out by the Disney Parks blog, that the actual hub for the Skyliner is going to be at the... Cur- Caribbean Beach, Caribbean Beach Resort, however you want to say it. Um, it's Caribbean Queen. Okay, but it's Pirates of the Caribbean. 
Sometimes people just say Caribbean. You go to the Caribbean. I think it's the Caribbean Beach Resort. It's not Caribbean Queen. <laughs> it's Caribbean Queen. Okay, for McKenna, at the Caribbean Beach Resort. Thank you. It's ca- Caribbean Where Beach. they just added Sebastian's Bistro, <laughs> and they upgraded their... Is it Caribbean Queen? Oh, yes. Caribbean Queen. <laughs> Is it Caribbean Queen? No, no the yes. way he says it is more Caribbean. Okay. Well, it's the the word's pronounced Caribbean. It's also pronounced Caribbean. No, it isn't. You don't say Pirates of the Caribbean. You don't because they made that be pronounced Caribbean. They made it be pronounced that way. Yeah, that's how the, that's how they intended it. Okay, so back to the Skyliner. <laughs> I just thought that we could quickly review the things that we know about the Skyliner. We know that the gondolas are going to take you to the studios in Epcot at the International Gateway. Now, hold on. Let's talk about this for five minutes. What? <laughs> what is what? You said quickly, so now I'm... You're trying to stall. I get it. I'm going to get you. <laughs> it will also stop at the hub at the Caribbean Beach Resort. It will go to the Riviera Resort under construction. And then it also stops at the on Hourglass Lake, which is between Pop Century and Art of Animation. And we saw that construction up yeah. close and personal. It so. also is not a boat that floats down the river. It is not. And it's a boat a that floats down the sky. In black and white singing a song to you. You will not have an Italian man gondolier. You. Yeah. That'd be cool. It's not that at all. By the way, at the hourglass pool, the construction. Wait. Hourglass pool, lake? Lake, whatever. The construction stops you from going all the way around and doing the full lap. And I'd just like to say my complaint. Where did it stop you? Yeah, I couldn't go. Oh, I couldn't make the full loop. I had to turn around. You could go to Art of Animation. Oh, you were trying to walk around the lake. Yeah. Mm. Okay, not across it because we were able to cross it. The bridge is open. Across, you can go. It's like straight shot, but around, it blocks you off, and you had to turn back. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Fun fact. Fun fact. One of the things I learned. This is a rumor. This is in the rumor category, but apparently, as long as the gondolas are considered a success over the next five or so years. They are going to be expanded to Animal Kingdom, Animal Kingdom Lodge, and the Colorado Springs Resort. <laughs> no, the... <laughs> I was going to go and with... Dis- I didn't- and Disney Springs. So, <laughs> like, that would be awesome because right now, Animal Kingdom... it's The Animal Kingdom Lodge is an awesome place to stay, but the only option you have to get anywhere is by buses buses which is somewhat kind of stinky for a deluxe resort yeah it's stinky (laughs) so it'd be cool if it had access to the gondolas as well so that gas pass on the gondola let me let's do this what do you think the gondola's top speed could be 100 miles per hour false 30 miles per hour false 10 75 your mom was the closest without one million their top speed is 17 miles per hour which is still pretty good and most trips along the line should be under five minutes. I ride faster on my bike. <laughs> <laughs> I ride kidding. faster in my car. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm a speedster. <laughs> Shut up. And then the last thing that I had for you is that the gondolas will not have air conditioning, but they are expected to have some sort of an air circulation system. So so you get hot, steamy air circulating yeah. around. This is going to be a sweat fest. This is going to be a sweat lodge. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. It's the Animal Kingdom Lodge. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about Mobile the gondolas still. And actually, gondolas have started appearing at the stations that they've already built. So people have taken pictures of the gondolas actually being installed. Wow. So the cables. I how big they are. Are they small are they and colorful? Scary? Well, they fit 10 people, so that can't be super tiny, right? So. What colors are they? Green They're all kinds of colors. Remember the picture that they had in our room? Um, there was like a little information sheet yeah. about the gondolas in like, our room at Pop Century. Did we Century. take it? A no, rainbow. we didn't take it. It had like a rainbow of colors. <laughs> Those like are the, for tanking. The outside of the gondolas are going to have pictures of characters like oh, the yeah. hitchhiking ghosts are going to be yeah. on the outside of them. And okay. Yeah, that sort of thing. Mm. Why didn't mm. we take that? Because mm. it wasn't really meant for us to take. That's what it's there for. No. It's like not like you, the shampoo and conditioner yeah, and pins and No, you towels. can't take those anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can take they the locked pin. them up. You're not allowed to touch you them. You can still take the pin. You can. What if but, they locked I up did. the pin? I always like to take a pin. And from what if they like tied it up? And you, 
Oh. You couldn't take the pin. They, they should put it on a chain since they don't <laughs> trust the on a chain? value, <laughs> value okay. resorts. They know we're going to try to steal everything. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is you spill something, it's on the paper. They obviously have more paper, so you can take the paper that they have. Thanks, McKenna. Makes sense. Oh, yeah. It's there for taking. Well, mm, same same thing with like everything in there. If they didn't you want to make take more. it, they'd lock it up. <laughs> lock oh, it up. Lock it up. They didn't, okay, okay. They didn't lock up. The, they didn't lock up the chairs. Yeah, we could have no, taken we, the chairs. They wanted us to take the chairs. What mm. would they do? Stop me? I yes. think they would stop you. Like, am <laughs> I leaving the resort with a chair? They come run up they're like ma'am ma'am you can't take that chair like they, that's not they would no. exactly that, that's, that's exactly what would, what would happen. happen they would not approach <laughs> they me would. they would <laughs> you would throw they, a chair they at would them. probably they'd probably say to you where are you taking that chair um, <laughs> and they'd say well, that's not allowed they would um, approach you but you would like, like tell them to what back are off. you the police Point they a chair would put at you them. in Disney jail. I want to go to Disney jail. And actually, um, I almost went to built. That's something jail. we've been talking a lot about on M34D. Landon and I have been listing all kinds of ways that you can find your way into Stealing Disney jail. <laughs> is there a, sure. is there a Disney jail? Yeah, of course. Yeah. There's a jail in Disney. Say you tried to do something illegal in the Magic Kingdom, they're going to put you in Disney jail before the real police show up. There's a real Disney jail. You know, there it's not no like a such thing as a real. Of course, police. there's a real Disney jail. There's not real police. <laughs> is okay. there like Mickey in there? Yes, you've, Mickey. It's you've actually been bad. Yes. Mickey beats Mickey, you up in Disney jail. Mickey scolds you. Oh boy, <laughs> Misky, uh, Mickey, <laughs> Misky. <laughs> Mickey makes a shiv. Oh. Oh my gosh, Disney prison. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, this is off the rails quickly. So, <laughs> Kermit. So speaking of M34D, that's the next place we're headed. So let's take a break, and then we're going to head over there. And today, we're talking about maybe the scariest attraction that's ever been in a Walt Disney World Resort. Haunted Mansion? Nope. Stay tuned. You'll find out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is Disney Deep Dive with the Dawes, and joining me, as he always does, because where else would he be on a Monday, is Landon, the Dawes Doan. Landon, welcome back to the monorail, sir. Normally I say it's nice to be on the monorail, but uh, this this Disney Deep Dive with the Dawes is, is, is uh, kind of terrifying for me, guys, just being completely honest. We're both feeling a little bit anxious. God, what, what, was, what was that? What was that? <laughs> it was something right behind you. Like, oh, breathing on your on neck. <laughs> Today, we are continuing our deep dive into spooky attractions for the month of October. And um, just like the last two, this one is no longer with us in the Magic Kingdom because maybe it went a bit too far, maybe even more so than the previous two. That's because this week we are talking about a little attraction called Extraterrestrial Alien Encounter. Oh my goodness. Landon, before we really start describing it and kind of getting into the story, I want to ask you, can you remember how you felt the first time you experienced this attraction? Uh, the first time I experienced this attraction, and we'll get into how it's laid out, uh, there's, there's, I guess, two sections before you get to the actual attraction yeah. itself. I, I, I dug the world they were building. They had they had fun animatronics. There was a there was a video featuring featuring a very well known uh, cast uh, doing some of the voices. And one of those voices will become more infamous than famous uh, in a few years. We'll get to that. But then actually getting into the ride itself scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah. I see when when you introduce this, you put the emphasis on terror for whatever reason. That didn't click with me. So I thought, oh, I'm just gonna go in for a dark ride. This will be neat. I had no idea that some bug monster from the planet Terror was gonna be <laughs> teleported to Orlando, Florida, and then breathe and drip and and murder people. Yeah. Multiple people get murdered in this ride. Straight up murder on this ride. It's true. 
So very similarly, I, I can remember I was excited and this may come as a surprise, but I was just as big a Disney nerd when I was a kid as I am today. And so before we Shocking. ever <laughs> before we ever went down to Walt Disney World when they had introduced this attraction in 95... Well, that was when it was retooled and reopened. It was after 95 when I went. I had my little Disney tour guide book, and I read about it. So I kind of knew a bit of what to expect. And I was like, okay, this sounds pretty cool. And it definitely sounded different than anything that I'd ever experienced at Walt Disney World, being that the fact that they put terror in the name, um, it just gives you this kind of sense of foreboding. And... um, I, well, it would if you paid attention to what well, was in the name. <laughs> well, and, and again, so I read about it. I knew the description. I knew kind of what to expect. But even so, this ride was, well, we say ride, attraction. We'll call it attraction. Most of it, when you get to the main show, is just in the dark. And it's more physical experience than it is visual. And it is just on another level. I mean, obviously, the reason that this went away was because... It kind of stuck out like a sore thumb in Tomorrowland, and people were upset that they were, you know, kids were coming off crying, and guest satisfaction was not necessarily at an all-time high for this ride. But I'm just telling you that, and I've read some other people that have said similar things. After I wrote it, after I experienced it, and I knew what it was all about, I kind of, like, craved that adventure and that feeling. Really? I wanted to go back and do it all over again. And I did it multiple times. So, yeah. But but the first experience for me as well was... I I was nervous. I didn't know. And we'll get into it when we get in the main room. But uh, there, there are certain parts that I I really thought... I'm going to have to break this harness and get out of here. Because I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm mm-hmm. not down with this. So Yeah, there were, there were definitely moments where I too tried to break off the harness and tried to peace out. See, unlike you, once was enough for me. Like, like <laughs> I got my fill the first time and... I did not need to look back. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I, I get that too. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who are in that boat as well. Well, let's kind of lay it out for those who didn't get to experience the extraterrestrial alien encounter. This was, as we mentioned before, kind of a, a reimagining of an old attraction. So originally in this location, there was, uh, I think it was Fly Me to the Moon was the name of it. Um, and then that was replaced with Mission to Mars, which I do have clear memories of riding Mission to Mars. I actually really enjoyed that ride. I mean, it, it tried to have its like tension building, scary moments as well, but it wasn't. It was all, you know, in the exact same layout. You're in uh, the main show happened in this circular room. You're kind of, you know, strapped in and uh, you, there's screens around uh, around the, the room and then something in the middle. Um, so the layout, very, very similar to what you would experience um, in, I almost called it Stitch. We're not there yet, in, <laughs> in the alien encounter. But such a totally different experience, obviously, as you kind of play through it. So originally the experience was called Flight to the Moon. It eventually just converted to Mission to Mars and then over to the alien encounter. So this, this ride's actually had more lives than like a soap opera character. Uh, it's it's been converted but you know much like the rest of Tomorrowland in that it's it's kind of struggled to kind of find an identity um, this ride in particular itself has has changed a lot but let's let's kind of get into it and just kind of start telling this story um, one of the things I think was really interesting about this particular ride is that the original concept was to be very specifically tied to an IP Landon you want to tell them about what the inspiration for this experience was supposed to be? Yes, it's uh, not a Disney property, and uh, it is not a G or PG property either. This was originally based on uh, the Ridley Scott Alien series. Uh, When Michael Eisner took over, he wanted a quote-unquote cool factor to entice the teenage audience, and and he wanted to go after a a thrill ride, but instead of going for, you know, the traditional roller coaster or something like that, you know, we would eventually end up seeing Rock and Roller Coaster over in Hollywood Studios. He wanted a terror encounter, and he wanted to bring on the Xenomorph from Alien. That's right. So as scary as this attraction was initially, it could have been way, way worse. Yeah. Honestly, the the alien that we ended up with looked a lot like a xenomorph. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't that far off. Um, and so I, I think a lot of it would have been branding changes. The experience might have been pretty similar, but they were gonna yeah, that is- yeah, they were going to call it Nostromo uh, as a reference to the space the space cat spacecraft. That's easy for me to say from Alien. Like you said, well, actually, actually, uh, there was some notes that I found 
it would have been similar to an to an attraction in uh, in the Disney parks, but it, what Eisner wanted initially, he wanted something similar to what ended up being Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger spin. So you would have been in the dark with a shotgun firing at xenomorphs. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, totally screams Disney, doesn't it? <laughs> would have been fun, but uh... <laughs> oh, I I don't disagree. Well, maybe I would have disagreed because because I mean terrifying xenomorphs popping out but i mean you had a shotgun so i guess you would have been okay yeah they, they could have added the effect where if you get like a headshot you get alien goo sprayed on you that would have been sweet um, but if you remember the if you remember the movies you don't want yeah, alien goo on you because that stuff is acidic it is acidic that's right well you know they could have made it hot hot water <laughs> oh there you go there you go everybody loves hot water yeah um, right in the eyes. But as you mentioned, that decision was changed because Disney has never, at that time, had never uh, put in anything into the parks that was based on anything that was rated anything more than G or PG. So, so the decision was scrapped and they decided to go a little more generic. I actually really like the direction that they went in. Personally, I love the whole like space convention center uh, showcase that they were doing and the pre-shows and we're going to talk about each one but I got to tell you I can't think of another pre-show that I like more than the pre-shows that we used to have for the alien encounter especially the second one because I love I'm a sucker for a good animatronic robot <laughs> but yeah I, mean, I, I like the characters I like the story that it told I like the world that it built and this was as you stepped into the first pre-show area you were actually stepping into the Tomorrowland Interplanetary Convention Center. And if you if you listen when you were on the TTA, you would have heard them mention the convention center. And the whole point was that you were showing up for a demonstration of new technology that had been developed by XS Tech. And I also love the fact that they had stuff uh, shouting out like uh, the the attraction it replaced uh, the mission to Mars, history or hoax. Uh, yeah. Then it also had the championship pet show, and then the Walt Disney Company's Pan Galactic Stockholders Meeting. Those were all being advertised. And and you mentioned the world building that this attraction did. I think I think touches like that really added to it in the first pre-show area you get your first introduction to chairman clinch who was played by jeffrey jones remember when i said one of those cast members would become more infamous than famous yep yeah mm -hmm. and you already you get the impression as soon as he starts talking that this is one of those kind of guys that he's he's a great salesman and he's maybe a fast talker Maybe somebody you can't trust. And <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely go with that feeling. And we don't know if if he's up to no good or what, but he's got this great technology that he's really excited to show us. And uh, and so he's ready to usher us into room number two. I like when you were mentioning the, the shout-outs to the, the Pan-Galactic stockholders meeting. I like that there was a, a feature of a holographic transmission from Lunar Disneyland, the, <laughs> the happiest place off Earth. So... <laughs> Honestly, Which actually, like, like we're, we're like what twenty years away from that happening. That's exactly what I was about to say. Honestly, that's probably not <laughs> that far off. So, so we're gonna get there. Tomorrowland, predicting the future. But yeah, so so you go through there, and then you step into the more exciting of the pre-show areas because now you step into a room where you get to meet a robot named Sir S I R, voiced by Tim Freakin' Curry. That's right, Tim Curry, putting on the performance of a lifetime. And he's actually going to demonstrate the transmission system. Uh, originally, the idea was that uh, this robot was going to be called Tom. Technobotic Oratorical Mechanism, right? Series 2000, and it was going to be voiced by Phil Hartman. Ah, uh, the late, great Phil yeah. Hartman. Yeah, so it's tough to replace that. Uh, Phil Hartman is amazing, but I think Tim Curry just did an absolutely spectacular job. And I, I love the way that he plays this character. This robot, you thought Chairman Clinch was evil. This is the most <laughs> evil robot I think I've ever met. Yeah, uh, you can definitely feel that there's some sinister stuff going on at XS Tech. Yeah, and so as part of the demonstration, he actually introduces us to a, a cute little animatronic alien named Skippy. And Skippy's over in a little tube making noises and kind of chirping and apparently asked to get out. And Sir tells him, no, you cannot get out because you're you're going to be the lucky volunteer. Or as we like to call it at work, I call those uh, volun that's a voluntold situation. I don't think Skippy. I don't think Skippy raised his hand. Yeah. So then we actually get to see the demonstration. A practically painless teleportation. Practically. Practically painless. Practically painless from one end of the room to the other. 
Skippy is broken down to molecules and he is transmitted over the heads of the crowd into a tube on the other side of the room. And when he pops in with smoke and light effects, he's a bit singed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, came out a little bit charred. He looks a little cooked, yeah, and, and disoriented. Obviously upset, he wants out, which just so happens to remind Sir of his favorite feature of the actual transportation device, and that's that you can press a button and instantaneously recall the transportation. Of course, he does that to poor Skippy. Skippy disintegrates, is transporting over the crowd again, and then Sir presses a button and basically... I don't know where he sends Skippy, but into... He suspends the subject he suspends it in, indefinitely. Yeah, and, and Skippy is just now particles in the ether, gone forever. Um, wow, and, and we thought Mr. Toad had it bad in our last episode. At, le at least he got to go to hell. I know. Poor, wow, what a weird thing to say. Poor, <laughs> poor, poor <laughs> Skippy is, uh, is lost forever. That's our demonstration before we actually go into the main room. And so at this point, you're fully, you know, aware that things are maybe not on the up and up around here. After that, you are welcomed into the main attraction, which, as I mentioned before, a circular room with a bunch of kind of theater style rows that are lower in the middle, higher on the outside. And then there's a big tube in the middle of the room and there is a big screen. There's two two or three screens on the outside walls up up high so you can actually see the lab technicians that are going to be working and and helping to um, complete the demonstration of the teleportation tube and not just this is much different than what we saw in the other room because we're not just going to see something transition from a tube on one side of the room to the other this is going to be across the galaxy so oh, big yeah, so here, here's the thing that freaked me out. When I talked about wanting to get out of that room when I was uh, a little Justin experiencing this ride for the first time, they say that they're going to pick a volunteer from the crowd to actually be part of the demonstration and be zapped over to go meet Chairman Clinch in person and shake his hand. And so they actually do a whole presentation where lights are flashing in the room and then it flashes on one person who is the selected you know, volunteer, volunteer, quote unquote. I was terrified that that was going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't what you signed up for. I get that. No, I. This was supposed to be a passive watching experience. <laughs> I did not. I did not want to be part of whatever was about to happen. I saw what happened to Skippy. Yeah, you're comfortable where, where all your molecules are. Yeah, yeah, my molecules are good. But as it turns out, Chairman Clinch has a brilliant idea that instead of having one person zapped to go meet him. He'll zap into the room with us so he can meet us all in person and shake all of our hands. So, Clinch is now the volunteer, which freaks out Spinlock and Dr. Femus, who are played by Kevin Pollock and Kathy Najimy. Uh, because, basically, not all the tests have been done, which I start to think to myself, well, then why was it going to be okay for me to volunteer? <laughs> you probably signed some waiver you don't remember, so, you know. They had zero liability if it was you. Yeah. Then as we go, so Clinch gets in the tube. He's basically putting the pressure, telling him to, to basically get this thing going. He can't wait anymore. They press the button, and it all goes perfectly, right? Clinch shows up in the room. No big deal. Yep. What could possibly go wrong? Of course that is not what happens. They lose Chairman Clinch somewhere in the transportation process. They think he's on some planet between wherever they are and wherever we are. And so they're trying to find the signal. They lock onto something that they think is Chairman Clinch. And they're like, send it to Earth. Well, oh boy. that, of course, is always a great idea. And, uh, and what we end up getting is, is not Chairman Clinch. Instead, it's a giant, winged, gross alien in the tube uh. that appears in front of us, and it is not happy. <laughs> no, no, it was not cool being transported to Earth. It had stuff going on on planet, oh my god, made of giant bugs that it was really, really into. So it is not happy. It was probably in the middle of a nice, relaxing bath or something. and you mm -hmm. know, Bath of, of, of the blood of its victims. <laughs> exactly. Of course, they've got, you know, they tell us everything's fine, the tube is safe, and they, they have the, the, you know, a... a force field basically locked onto the tube that this thing can't get out of and it's not going to be able to break the glass. The next thing that happens, it breaks the glass. And oh, don't you hate it when that happens. <laughs> breaks the glass, power goes out, chaos ensues, and what happens for the next 
five minutes is just pure craziness. And mostly in complete darkness, too. Like you yeah. mentioned, uh, the, the majority of the action of this attraction, it's really an, an attack on all the senses except sight. Yeah. You're in pure darkness, aside from at one point there's a technician that shows up in the in the rafters. He's shining a flashlight down to just make sure everybody's okay. And, things, and he was two days from retirement. Two, he, was, he was two days from retirement. And things do not go well for him. Um, and actually, not only does he get eaten, the, the blood from his corpse sprays onto the crowd sitting below. Unbelievably, this is a Disney ride, folks. When no you wish upon a star. <laughs> you hear the crunching. It sounds like a delicious meal. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but... Then you hear a voice. This was always my favorite, the, uh, where they're like, you know, vo- they, they've got voices that are um, part of the soundtrack. And so they're saying comments like, oh, I can feel it breathing. I can feel it on my shoulders, you know, kind of adding to the to the, um, the the anxiety, the tension that's in the room already. The, the harnesses we mentioned that are on you, the reason they're there is because those things move up and down to make it feel like the alien is actually landing on you. Uh, <laughs> then you feel breath on your neck. I mean, you you feel wind from the flapping of the wings of this thing as it's flying around the room looking for its next tasty morsel, which is probably going to be you. Of course it's going to be you. Yeah, this part is really like, it's one of those, it seems like that, that period of time of the ride just lasts forever. It's like... It's yes, like, yeah, like like when you said it's only like five minutes, it's like, God, it felt like a whole lot longer. And it may not even be that, really. I mean, I say five minutes just because that's a nice round number, but, you know, thinking back to the time, like, between when the power goes out, they go through the whole technician routine, that's probably two and a half, maybe three minutes, it could be five, but, man, it feels like a lifetime. And mm-hmm, it really does, and... and w- when you mentioned uh, the soundtrack having voices over, I love at one point when, when, when the tech comes out and says, all right, everybody be quiet. If you're quiet, he can't hear you. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> God. Yeah. So how does it end, you might ask? Well, they use shrieks to lure it back into the tube, and then they basically overload the power, and the, ex- the alien actually explodes all over the room. <laughs> Once again, this is this was a Disney attraction. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, and then there's another funny voice from the soundtrack that says, "My mouth was open." <laughs> Ew. Yeah. And and I do like the fact that in the long run, Michael Eisner still got his alien stuff in Disney. It was just in the uh, Hollywood uh, Great Adventure. Or yeah, the Great Movie Ride. Great yeah. movie ride, yeah, and, and and it was kind of a creepy part of that ride, but uh, but yeah, he did it get was, but it, it, it was my favorite part of that ride. Mine too. I really liked that part. Let's talk about the great movie ride. <laughs> <laughs> we will another R.I.P. This ride, um, of course, all's well that ends well. The alien exploded. Everything's fine, and and now, of course, we're all on board for this amazing. Well, quote unquote, fine. Remember, this alien did murder a bunch of techs. So well, you know, th- but they knew what they were getting into when they signed up to be a technician. <laughs> That is true. Yeah, <laughs> just like every other. <laughs> just thing. like all, just like all those stormtroopers on the Death Star. That yeah, they absolutely know. They're it's they're just signing up to be um, Operation Human Human Shield, basically. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> I do miss this ride. I liked it a lot. I get why it's gone. I know that it kind of stuck out a little bit. It wasn't necessarily in the perfect spot, but the way that they framed it up, the story they told about it being this basically a intergalactic convention center and and everything. I think that they made it work. I mean, they did a good job with this one letting you know, although you said that you didn't realize what you were getting into. I had no idea. And <laughs> yes, it, it terror is in the name, but at the same time looking at it, it's like, oh, extra ter- or extraterrestrial encounter. I didn't, it it never clicked that uh, terror was inserted and in caps. So, so I guess that one was on me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But they tried to warn you. I feel like they did a decent enough job. I mean, they did say it was recommended for guests 12 years and older, but the height restriction was only 48 inches. When I first wrote it, I was... How old was I then? If it was 95, I, I must have been 13 when I wrote it for the first time. And here here I was thinking I was tiny, but it scared this little 13-year-old for sure. Yeah, I think I was older than you when I wrote it, but at the same time, like I said, it terrified the bejesus out of me. Well, Landon, what did we miss as we talked through the extraterrestrial encounter? Uh, I guess really the only thing we we missed is what came to replace it after the fact, because uh, much like we're talking, there was there was a lot of 
complaints that this is way too scary. And, and, and I think you nailed it when, when you said it did kind of stick out like a sore thumb and with the rest of the Disney attraction. So in 2004, it was replaced by everybody's favorite ride, Stitch's Great Escape. <laughs> and it's kind of crazy that, yeah, Disney did get a lot of complaints about this b being scary, and they turned Stitch's Great Escape into almost a G version of this encounter because Stitch's Great Escape followed a lot of the same points that Extraterrestrial did. But instead of, you know, Stitch escaping and eating uh, technicians, he just jumps out and burps in your face and, and does stuff like that. And speaking on Stitch's Great Escape, that is another ride that is now RIP in peace, apparently, because uh, news coming out as or around when we're recording this is uh, showing. Did you get those pictures I sent you? Yeah, the scary, uh, like, melted-looking Stitch animatronic. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the Stitch animatronic uh, had, like, I guess the Stitch skin removed. Like, that is straight-up terrifying. Yes. So it does look like Stitch's Great Escape is also going the way of Mission to Mars and extraterrestrial. Yeah, yeah. And we've heard some rumors that that was going to happen eventually. I mean, it had been seasonally closed for, like, two years now. So um, <laughs> Yeah, it really kind of almost felt like an inevitable thing yeah it, it was coming i mean it was never a, a crowd favorite i think there were definitely some people who enjoyed it i didn't hate it it just wasn't my favorite thing in the world I, yeah like i i'm a massive honk for stitch but at the same time like i don't know if i was going out of my way to get on that attraction so yeah. i mean yeah it sucks because it was a property based on lilo and stitch but at the same time I, I'm honestly okay with it going away too. Well, let's wrap it up for today. So, um, Landon, do your plugs and get off the monorail. Don't, go for it. All right, twitter.com slash Landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's you can find the latest for me, 280 characters at a time. I also run a website, buttmunchchips.com, buttmunchchips. Sit on your butt and munch. That's where you can find the exclusively posted Game of Thrones talk, a.k.a. Got Talk, where myself and Hunter East have an episode-by-episode -episode breakdown of HBO's Season 7 of Game of Thrones. Whenever Season 8 comes back, Hunter and I will join you. But in the meantime, I invite you to head over to the iTunes store and search for Near Fall Radio. That's where you can find uh, myself and Justin talking about the sweet science of professional wrestling. Mostly it's the world that Vince McMahon has built. But, you know, when indie uh, shows do pop up, we do talk about it. Uh, go check out All In. It was at the beginning of September. It was a really good indie show. And uh, other than that, be sure to listen to uh, Nerd News Cafe, also available in the iTunes store, also available at nerdnewscafe.com. Stitcher, Podbean, Zoom, Pop. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know all these places that, that you have nerd news posted at. But be sure and go go find it there as it's well. It's everywhere, and just like it, the extraterrestrial, not for everyone. Yeah. Yes, yes. That that <laughs> one is uh, is not safe for work, as we like to say. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks, Landon, for joining me. We will see you again next week for. You know what's coming next week. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is the episode I have been waiting for ever since I got on this monorail. We are talking Haunted Mansion, baby. That's right. So go do some prep, and we'll see you right here in seven days. Welcome back to the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. In our final segment today, our objective is to update you on something that we really couldn't ignore. It's not the best news in the world, but as we've been helping guide you through vacation planning in our vacation planning series, one of the things that we really focused on was ticket prices. Yep. And one of the things that we talked about was that if you went with a multi-day pass, it didn't matter what time of year you went because they didn't do peak-based pricing for multi-day passes at that time. Well, that's changed. Oh, okay. As of October 16th, they are now charging you value and, and peak season for multi-day passes. Aww. Yeah. And of course, they will tell you. And if you go to the Disney Parks blog and take a look at this, there is an infographic that you might be interested in looking at. Everybody loves infographics these days. But the date-based pricing, of course, is going to increase the price for passes in certain circumstances. But they'll tell you, but it will re reduce it in others. So, uh -huh. for example, they give 
five examples here. First, a six-day ticket starting on November 22nd would cost $5 more per day than a previous price, than the previous price. And this is for single park, not park hopper. So $5 more per day. That's six, so that's $30 more per ticket, right? That's significant. Yeah. That's not, a, that's not small. No. A one-day ticket on Christmas Day would cost exactly the same as it did before. But one-day tickets were based on... That's a little misleading because single-day passes were contingent on um, the, the calendar anyway. Oh, okay. So they were already at right. variable price. So that's a little misleading there, Disney. Three-day tickets starting on February 10th would cost $4 less per day. Hmm. But we've talked about early February, pretty low attendance. That's a time where you can get some good value from the resorts and things like that. So that makes sense. Six-day tickets starting July 4th would cost $3 more per day. And then two-day tickets starting August 26th would cost $4 less. So up and down. And the, and they tell you the idea, of course, is to try to continue to kind of smooth out those peaks and valleys that you see throughout the year at mm -hmm. Walt Disney World. So if, if July 4th is an extremely busy time of year, they increase the price a little bit. Maybe people choose to go a different time. And maybe Disney needs more money. <laughs> well, and they will. You know, they're, de they're certainly going to make more money from it. Yeah, they're, they don't need more money. But... Part of it you can justify by saying when the parks are packed on like their busiest days. It's not fun. They're going to be open longer. They're going to have to staff it with more people. Yeah, and it's so crowded. You you feel like you're kind of crammed in. Well, yeah. So, so guest experience is not as good. Yeah. On days like that. So, of course, if it does have the that if effect of maybe smoothing the crowds out a little bit, that would be great. But then the other piece is Disney's making a little more money when they know that they're going to have higher operating costs. Right. There's reasons on both sides. It's up to you to decide whether you believe that or not. I am not an employee of Walt Disney World. I'm not either. I, but I am a fan. But I'm somebody who, I'm an accountant. And I'm also stingy with my money. Yeah, you are. So I'm not trying to sit here and tell you it's all good. Because, I mean, it does. It stinks when they're when you're told you're going to be charged more. Like, I want to go on Christmas. Well, that's going to be more than it was before. You know, right. that stinks. Right. So, I, and I get that. But also, we tend to try to look for the dates in the calendar where hotels cost less. Yeah. And there might be lower crowds. So we're probably going to benefit a little bit. I, I mean, I'm up for early February if you are. <laughs> yeah. Temperatures will be lower. Let's go. Yeah. Let's so, plan it. The other thing they rolled out, and I got to tell you, Disney, this feels like direct competition. They have introduced an online planning tool on the oh. Walt Disney World <laughs> website. <laughs> Well, so much for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it says you can access several new online planning tools, including park offering overviews, travel tips from Disney Parks Moms panel, and customized suggestions based on each guest's personal preferences. Okay. Thanks a lot, Disney, but that's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got this. Yeah. You keep doing what you do. Yeah, so. <laughs> we'll do what we do. Just interesting. I, I suggest that if you were planning a Disney trip to begin with, you've got to do your research. But for sure, definitely go out there. Maybe take a look at these new planning tools. See see what they tell you. And take a look at that calendar. Because it could influence when you go and when you don't. Yeah. I am somewhat disappointed. Because I thought it was nice that like Disney was like, hey, if you're going multiple days, we're not going to try to charge you some kind of you know premium if you go on a peak time because we're already getting you in the park for multiple days right i guess they they saw basically the information they wanted to see by doing the date-based pricing for the single day tickets so it is what it is so that's all a little update to our planning a walt disney world vacation conversation it's all about that dollar yeah i know and i need more of them <laughs> before we wrap up for the day i wanted to do a couple of things one is I put out a Twitter poll this week just because I thought it'd be fun to engage the community and settle a conversation because I knew for sure that we were all going to agree on the answer to this question because that's what the internet does. We get together and we all agree on everything without uh, wrong. any arguments. I did put a poll out. There's still, there's still time left. By the time you're hearing this, it'll be closed. But we received 37 votes, which is great. Yeah. And a lot of comments. And we're going to get into it. But... The question was, which one is the very best all-star resort? Overwhelmingly, the winner was, by 68% of the vote, all-star movies. We expected that. So I guess really maybe the real competition was between music and sports. And sports loses. Yeah, sports came in last. Music got 19%, sports got 14 But there are people who love the sports, I guess. 
My my thinking is, if you were going to choose between music or sports, sports is typically going to be a little more rowdy and noisy. That's where, if there's like events, like athletic events for cheerleaders kids, cheerleaders, whatever the competitions football. may be, they put all those groups at All Star Sports. Okay. So it tends to be a little noisy, a little more noisy, a little more rowdy. All Star Music has you know some cool advantages to it. It has family suites, which is similar to what you get at Art of Animation. And then, of course, we our big selling point, if you go back and listen to our Value Resort podcast, was uh, Landon and Sam were both sold on the All-Star Movies Resort because it has the Fantasia pool. Oh, yeah. And, and the cool. larger-than-life characters and stuff like that. I think All-Star Movies is the obvious winner, of course. But I have something to say about you thinking sports is going to be the rowdier place. Okay, say it. So if you're saying that they put the people who are down there for sports events in the sports thing, they would do essentially the same thing with the music place too, right? No, I think they put, like even if you came down, say you were coming in for a band competition, they'd put you at all-star sports, I think. Why wouldn't they put you in all-star music? I think that's just what they do. kids are loud and they stick them in the loud place. But I was going to say... If they're sticking band kids in all-star music, as someone who was a band kid and knows how band kids act in mm-hmm. hotels. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be around that. Uh-uh. And it, <laughs> when I was on a trip, someone played their trumpet at like four in the morning <laughs> so to wake, to wake us all up. So what I, I'm just saying, we're loud and I think we might even be louder than sports kids. <laughs> Maybe so. We've broken I'm not gonna stuff argue with in you hotels. On, oh, We've well, destroyed kids do it too. hotels, though. Yeah, that's not good. Don't and, do that. And let me just say this, too. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pile on here or anything, but typically what you see is the parents of these rowdy kids are just as bad. Yeah. I don't know why, but they also cannot behave. And as someone who's worked in a hotel and had to deal with these kind of groups before, the parents are worse. As someone I don't know why. who's had a kid who temporarily played baseball, I will admit I did get rowdy during that time. Yeah, but you, we didn't go on any trips and you didn't destroy no. any hotel rooms, thank goodness. Did not I destroy. guess you would have. No, just rowdy at the games. Well, I want to get baby out there. <laughs> but I want to give a quick shout out to those who actually left comments on this poll. The first account on Twitter was Mouse Pals, at Mouse Pals, and they said, All-Star Movies! I think it's the most Disney of the three, so that's why it's their top all-star resort. I'll Nic- agree with that to an extent. Nicole Edwards, at Nicole Edwards on Twitter, said, We've only stayed at music, so that's the one I choose. <laughs> 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 hey, listen, I haven't stayed at any of them, but I felt empowered to choose one. Yeah. And I did. <laughs> um, but that's okay. That's fair enough. That's a fair choice. It is fair. Jennifer Dean, at Timon. Is her name at Timon and Pumbaa? It is, at Timon and Pumbaa, although it's T-A-M-O-N, not T-I. But at Timon and Pumbaa on Twitter, she said, I love all-star music because it's a very calming resort to me. The food court area is themed nicely, and the atmosphere is more relaxing than the others. Plus, I just love music. Yeah. That's good reasoning right there. And then, of course, Double O Kevin, Kevin Scott, our good friend from the Mouse Knows Best podcast, he said, movies, and it's not close. Open and shut case for him. Mm-hmm. And then we heard from our new friends over at the Part of Our World podcast, and they said they've only stayed at movies, and it was great, and they were a big fan of the Ice Cream Sunday Bar. Ooh! A what now? <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. So at first they said Bottomless Milkshake, and I was like, oh, okay, that might be like a mic drop moment there. If you say they've got Bottomless Milkshakes at All-Star, yeah. <laughs> at All-Star Movies, then case closed. Everyone's done. Yeah, but they, then man. they corrected and said, actually, what they meant to say was Ice Cream Sunday Bar. Still very solid. Yeah, that's a good argument. Not as solid as Bottomless Milkshakes, <laughs> though. At what point does that become like a diminishing return? I don't know that I could have more than like a milkshake and a half. You'd have to force yourself to. (laughs) Kind of like the kitchen sink. In the end, we're all lactose intolerant. So That's a great way to force yourself right into diabetes. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Anyway, thanks everybody for voting in the poll, for giving us your feedback and comments. Yeah. That was fun. I wanted to do, we got a couple more minutes and just really quickly, I wanted to do a couple shout outs for people because we haven't done it in a couple weeks. Again, Part of Our World Podcast. Check them out at P-O-O-W Podcast on Twitter. This is Rachel and Keenan, husband and wife team. Nice. 
nice. Doing a everything Disney podcast, not just the parks. Nice. So, that's awesome. Welcome, husband I, and wife team. Yeah, and I apologize to them because when we gave them a previous shout out, I was like, I haven't listened to their podcast yet. But now I have. I've listened to several, so and I've enjoyed it. It's very good. And it's nice because they talk about movies and other things like that. You get a little variety in there. Awesome. Yeah. Big shout out to Theme Park Thursday with Dillo's Diz at Dillo's Diz on Twitter and Instagram. That's D-I-L-L-O-S-D-I-Z. Brother and sister duo, Jen and Frank Cardillo. Good friends. We call them. They're, they're pretty they're awesome. Part of, they're part of the Disney podcast monorail family at this point. <laughs> we, you said it weird. <laughs> I did say it weird, but interact with them on, on pretty much a weekly basis. Yeah, and, they're awesome. And they're very supportive. Go check out their show. They just now launched this spinoff Theme Park Thursday podcast. It used to be part of the Improviser's Guide podcast, and they would do theme parks on Thursday. But now it's its own thing. Check them out. Subscribe. Get on it. Wanted to give a shout out to the Disney Dandy podcast at Disney Dandy. That's a podcast that we've recently connected with. Very cool. Go yeah. check it out. Nice. Very cool. Very Kanye. cool. <laughs> Stop. Theme Park Warriors on Instagram continue to be a big supporter. Always shouting out and sharing our new episodes on Monday on their Instagram story. Thank you. They're awesome. Thank you for that. Yes. I got to give a shout out to our friend Michael Leon Knox at Disney Nut 1985. Lives very close to us. Been a supporter and friend from the very beginning. Yeah. Always doing Follow Fridays for us and putting us in there. I appreciate that. And he has a Disney fan group called Mad for the Mouse on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So you can join that and get in the conversation throughout the week. Quirky Fox at Quirky Fox underscore. She's our connection to everything going on at Disneyland. That's awesome. So she's a California girl in her Twitter bio. And she and her family spend a lot of time going to Disneyland. So give her a follow. Keeps you plugged into what's going on in the West Coast. Shout out to Allison at WDW Minibar. She is headed down to the International Food and Wine Festival this week. And she's my best friend. And yes, yeah, <laughs> Sam's claimed her as a best friend. She doesn't even realize it. Doesn't yet. realize Jealous. it. Jealous. But I wanted to. I wanted to let you know that she has an Etsy shop, glass slipper designs. So go check that out. It's awesome. Shout out to Drunk Stormtrooper at WDW Jedi Master. If you're not following him, you're missing some amazing first-person view videos of the parks, and you're also missing maybe the best music videos on Twitter. Yeah, he's pretty funny, too. <laughs> so go check him out. Uh, Jocelyn at Disney Gratitude One. She she was a day one. I think she was one of our first followers. Before we even launched the podcast, she was telling us how excited she was for us, really giving us a lot of support. She is like everything that's right about Diz Twitter. So she's a mom blogging about all things Disney, travel, and kids' cra crafts. Check out her blog. <laughs> crafts. No. Check out her blog at DisneyDreamin411.com. Just a couple more quick ones. To the Knicks. Nick 1A and 1B. You can decide who you are. At, <laughs> at TTA underscore team underscore lead is one of the Knicks. If you are interested in traveling to Disney and you're confused by all of this date calendar-based pricing, give him a call because he is a vacation planner. Capture the magic vacations. He can help you out with that. Other Nick <laughs> at TTA Travelers. He did have a podcast. His podcast is on hi hiatus right now, but he's on Twitter and Instagram. If you follow him, you're going to be able to see awesome pictures all the time throughout the week. And when his podcast comes back, you'll be the first to know. Because certainly it'll be back someday. And then lastly, MickeyExtreme.net. Another one that's been with us for a long time. MickeyXtreme on Twitter. Sharing news and info on Florida theme parks and attractions. Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Walking Dead, Funko, Foods, all kinds of stuff. Nice. And they have a website, MickeyXtreme.net. Net. You know, I feel like we covered just about all of Twitter with those shout outs. I know we have such a large group of but, friends. Yeah, these are all people that have been really supportive to us. They interact with us constantly that, um, it's awesome. on a week to week basis. And I would really like all of you out there to check them out because obviously they all have something they can offer you if you're a fan of Walt Disney World. Yes. McKenna, while you slather on that chapstick, is there anything you'd like to say? Because we may never hear from you again. I'm sorry. That I'm not here very often. Very People miss busy you. lady. People like to quote you. I just want to, you know, talk Rock about... Rock and roll all night. I wish I could <laughs> talk about Remy the Rat every day. Start your own Remy the Rat podcast. I, I might. I told you. You know, but I'm going to try to be here <laughs> as much as possible. Well, we really enjoy having you and here. And if yeah. I end up living in the new Ratatouille ride... <laughs> Then you can come and <laughs> check me out there. I'll smoke at you. <laughs> so, so call people stupid Americans. Eat some baguette. 
Garrett like, actually something French caviar <laughs> ratatouille escargot escargot look. The thing is, I actually don't like the dish ratatouille because I hate don't like tomatoes. Tomatoes. Mm. tomatoes are the abomination That's of the vegetable world. Of the vegetable world. They're fruits. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Oh, you got her. me. <laughs> okay, fine. Fruits are an abomination. <laughs> Whatever. You're an abomination. You fell into I my really trap. I really love tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes are nasty. So and good. You're nasty with a G. You're nasty, just like oh tomatoes. Oh my gosh, nasty woman. There had to be a place where all those G's go when we drop them off from things like you know, gaming. I'm gaming tonight. Playing some. I don't know. It's kind of like where what? does the other where does the other sock go? It goes the, to nasty. Hey guys, hey, what's the deal with dryers? Boo. Oh. All right. <laughs> Who are you, Gary Geinfeld? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are more G's. <laughs> we found them. I, I actually steal G's. I go around and I like <laughs> I pluck them from people's sentences. And They're, just <laughs> my G's now. <laughs> <laughs> Guys are so weird. <laughs> All right. You say Gamantha, Gustin, Gamantha, Gother. Wrap up the Godcast for today. Oh wait, <laughs> that's Don't steal my jeans. A whole another thing. Um, thank you all for listening. It's always a pleasure interacting with you throughout the week. So continue to do that with us at Morning Monorail. We have a voicemail. You can call us if you want to. Yeah. Hear all about it on the outro. Until then, have a great week. We'll see you next time. You neck time. Bye. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for riding with us today. We hope you enjoyed the journey, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, we want to hear from you. Send us questions, comments, and suggestions on Twitter at Morning Monorail. Our email address is mondaymorningmonorail at gmail.com. You can also call our voicemail at 407-917-2144. As we approach the station, gather your belongings, and please watch your step as you exit. <laughs> See y'all.